Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Oh my god. FM Book Club live. What kind of live? Pre-recorded, but just for your ears only. The live album. Hi, I'm Jen. Welcome to Fat hey, Mascara. I'm Jessica. Okay, we've got Marissa Meltzer and her dog Joan in the house. <laughs> if you couldn't make it to our FM live book club. Streaming, which was streaming on September 27th. We recorded this in the evening. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You've got a second shot. You got a second shot and it's yeah. right now. We had so much fun. Thank you for came. If you're coming here now, so glad you're here. Even if you didn't read the book, Glossy, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you don't even have to, you don't even have to crack the spine. You will be able to enjoy this conversation. Jen, what did we talk about? We talked about Glossy, Ambition, Beauty, and the Inside Story of Emily Weiss's Glossier. Marissa even gave us a little bit of a scoop on some ex-Glossier employees that reached out to her after the book made the New York Times bestseller list. So that's very interesting. But if you're not familiar with Marissa or her work, she's written for the New York Times, the New Yorker, the Guardian, the Wall Street Journal, Vogue, Vanity Fair, all these places. She's also the author of three previous books. This is Big, How Sassy Changed My Life, and Girl Power. And yeah, this was recorded live, like fun. People were in the chat the whole time talking. So you might hear us typing here and there back to people. Marissa <laughs> stopped to talk to a couple of people. She also stopped to give her dog a peanut butter treat. You know, we wanted to keep it fun and casual. So I apologize in advance if the sound is not up to the usual quality of a fat mascara like in studio live podcast moment. But it was so much fun. And we so appreciated having her here. Let's just go to the book club, shall we? Let's do it. Marissa, 
Welcome. Welcome to Fat Mascara. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with my Fat Mascara family. Where's your dog? She is, oh, she's literally right underneath me. Oh, um, cutie. <laughs> you will probably hear her like rolling around or trying to get attention at some point because. She's so cute. I know. She's very cute. She's, she knows it. I love seeing her on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. She's the best. Well, now she belongs to a New York Times bestseller. Hello. Oh. Congratulations. I'm not sick of hearing that. Thank you. It's amazing. Yeah. You can never get sick of that. Okay. We're going to get to your book in a moment. But first, before we get into the book club of it all, you know, we need to know a little bit more about you. You're a prolific journalist. Oh my God. I've read you on like ballet flats, ketamine, fashion, beauty, profiles. But like, what do you like writing about? What's your favorite thing to write about? Oh gosh. I mean, probably like a spa trip where I just have to write 500 words. <laughs> Who doesn't want that Thank I, you for your yeah, honesty. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's probably the most fun. However, there is no free lunch. I think that like from a technical standpoint, I love writing profile where you don't have a lot of time with a celebrity where there's a lot of pressure just because it's hard to make magic out of one hour having lunch with someone. I wish there were still like the 90s where they fly you to like LA for two weeks to hang around Julia Roberts or something like that. But I thrive under pressure and I like a sort of technical thing. But anything where you're traveling and the job is to just like soak it up and experience it, even if it's somewhere like I've taken a couple cruises for work and I don't think I would do that on my own, but it's still pretty major. Oh, but you work well on a deadline. Obviously you put this book together quite quickly. (laughs) Well, I think this, the secret is that I don't have rich family or husband. Like I have to pay my own rent. People are like, why do you write so much? And it's like, yeah, because I have bills to pay. A sense of urgency. It's an actual job. It's not a... I have a bulldog and I love buying shoes. So yes. (laughs) So the book is out. There was conversation about the book before it came out when that there was rumblings there was whisperings then Jen and I talked about the book and when Jen and I got the book and just posted it oh my god we got texts we got emails we got requests to be like it was like a lending library that didn't wow. have um, our galleys like, like our preview galleys yeah people were like can I I sure so I got a text I'm sure that they're have been requests, but can I put my name on to borrow it? I'm like, it comes out in like two months. <laughs> what, now that the book is out in the world, what has the response been? I mean, part of that is I don't, I'm pretty good at boundaries and like not reading comments and stuff like that. So I'm only really hearing what people are DMing me on Instagram or emailing me or like saying to my face, basically. Like I'm just... I'm too smart and also too fragile to read Goodreads reviews or Amazon or watch TikToks or whatever. So I would say that the feedback has been great. I mean, people seem to be entertained by it, which is really what I want. They also seem like they are thinking about Glossier and Beauty and Emily Weiss in ways that they hadn't ever before I got a wonderful email from the people from Out of the Gloss today, which is like this kind of collective of retail employees that sort of did this kind of 
attempted cancellation sort of mm-hmm. issues with working at Glossier in, I want to say like 2020. And they would not respond to my request for an interview for the book and yeah. really hadn't done press. And then today I can read the email. It was very nice. I don't think they had really read the book yet, but they were sort of like, we are very aware of it. You mentioned them in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a whole section, but basically they said that they were, they disbanded and we literally couldn't afford to focus on, on it anymore. So we Mm. collectively stepped back. Of course, we've seen the viral TikTok and press for glossy. We figured we missed an email from you and are kind of kicking ourselves, but still wanted to send our congratulations. Some of us are looking forward to reading it. Others still have a pretty strong aversion to the company but frankly expect to get updates anyway. The rest have simply moved on. Okay. Thank you for that update. Yeah. Let's hope everybody read carefully so they know what we're talking about. But Glossy, Ambition, Beauty, and the Inside Story of Emily Weiss's Glossier touches on the rise of Glossier and these employees that you talked about and how there was a bit of a backlash in 2020, some of the issues with the company, all of that. So I feel like we should just get into it. But I have to ask, just like as... A consumer, Marissa, what's your relationship with Glossier today? Do you like so one of our listeners, Barbara, she might even be in the chat. She was like, Do you wear the products? <laughs> I I wear some of them. Yeah. I think writing a book, you have to have such a geeky and prolonged interest for something that if I didn't have a certain amount of fandom, it would be sort of an excruciating process. But also you can't be such a fan that you can't be critical or objective. I think. So I think my relationship to their products are similar. Like I have some that I like and I have some that I don't like at all. I love the perfume. I love layering the perfume. Like the U with layered with like Kiehl's musk, I think is a very, very like killer combo. Yeah. Musk it up. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of like two versions of musky. Yeah. (laughs) And they're both kind of sexy. What else? I like the cloud paint a lot. I'm very pale and I use puff, which is like they're very light pink. And I think it's like a beautiful flush. I don't know how anyone could ever use more than like one cloud paint in their whole life though, because I feel like you need just so little of it. <laughs> okay. But here's the thing. So much comes out. I don't know. No, that's they true. need to kind of figure out how to get it back in. Like you try to put the teeniest dot and it's like a glob. It grows like that volcano science experiment from when you were little, yeah. you know, like where it's just- Yeah, I end up out. kind of just like wiping it off onto a Kleenex and throwing it away or whatever. I really I really like it. But yeah, a lot does does come off. Yeah. So you do, you, you use the products, it sounds like. You are a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I But I don't, I don't use a lot of the products. I mean, I, or I rather, I use a lot of products in Glossier is like in the rotation, but it's also- I'm 46 years old. Like, I'm not really using Glossier for my skincare. Do you know what I mean? I understand. I think their products are beautiful and basic, but I'm at a point where I'm like, let's get some really good vitamin C serums. And you want some, so you want some killer actives, but you're, you're, you're not like the demo for Glossier, I don't think, right? Like, it's yeah, more like the- it's a little younger. I, again, like, if I'm traveling, I love to get their travel size milky jelly cleanser. That's a beautiful, easy, takes mm-hmm. everything off well. But like for my, yeah, give me like a sleep mask. Give me like a tinted sunscreen. 
Are you going to tell us which sleep mask and which tinted sunscreen? I mean, this is usually what happens at the end of the podcast, but I have to ask. No, I'll tell all these things. I'm not actually using a sleep mask, but I rotate between a few different rationale moisturizers that I love. Okay. And I use the light cream at night a lot. And then I use the gel cream in the day a lot. But I tend to also mix all that stuff up depending on the weather and what's going on outside. And then sunscreen... I love Herborian, that like French Korean line. They have a really nice one that's like green tinted for people like me that are very prone to redness. Yes. I know that product. That is a good one. Mm -hmm. They sell it at all the duty freeze in Europe. So I'll like go and buy two or three and be done for the year. So when we talk about Glossier, I think everyone has an image that comes to mind or a feeling that comes to mind if you're into beauty. I'm going to put this question to you, but I want to put it also out to the folks who are listening or following along live. What word comes to mind? Just drop it in the chat. And Marissa, I'll give you a second to think about it. I mean, the first word that comes to mind for me is dewy. I'm going to, by the way, because we are live, I'm getting peanut butter for my crazy dog who is requesting it from me, but I can still talk and hear you as I go to the other side of my kitchen. And serve, She's going on a peanut butter journey. And serve my insane dog peanut butter because she knows if if I give it to her now, she can start barking and I'll do anything she wants. She She's trained you well, Marissa. Oh. Jess, what was your word <laughs> no. going to be while we wait for peanut butter treats? Well... It was, I mean, it was, it was a visual first. It was just that Pantone, like light pink. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so pink, glossy, pink. Hashtag Glossier Pink, yeah. Yeah, I guess it was pink. I, I like your, what is this, a Rorschach? It's like a psychological test you just yeah. passed, Jess. I think the, the, the brand is kind pass? of like a psych. What? No, I'm back. No, I said you. No, no, did she pass the psychological no. test? <laughs> what word comes to mind? <laughs> but in the chat we have. Yes. Okay, Hillary says, when I first became a customer, I would have said cool and very young. Oof, oh, sick burn. No, I say dated uh, says, and too Cool and very Emily, and now it says dated and too young. Oof. Okay. Okay, no, but I get oh, it. And Barbara says sheer. Everything is so sheer. Olivia says, my word for Glossier is light, both in terms of mood and in terms of quality and texture. Yeah, I think that's the other, I had a second, okay, so I get a second shot. My second shot was also just kind of like, I guess kind of dewy, but like, it was more like sheer, like kind of wispy, like tra- like translucent. Yes, yes. Catherine says, oh God, my word is basic. But then Georgina says, it's very it. So it's very, it's, oh, it's polarizing. It Well, yeah, I think that like the consensus is sort of like there's a lightness in kind of every sense of the word Mm -hmm. where it's not heavy, but it's also light and that it's a little fluffy. Yeah. Innovative. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, but it's also maybe light on the innovation. Oh no, Brenna Bran- just said innovative. Jess is literally just reading you the chat. <laughs> no, sorry. no, but, no, but I think these are fascinating because you have like the very best words and the most the most complimentary, and then you yeah. also have people who are yeah, Hillary's saying she's age aged out. For our recorded listeners, just so you know, in case you forgot, this is live and we have a chat going on. So they know, no, that. they know, no. But this is real time. It's like it's just like I think what's interesting about any really good brand, it evokes a lot of strong opinions. Yeah. That, that it means they're doing their job. Wait, Jen, did you say what your yours is? What's hers? 
clearly I failed psychology. Glossy was the word that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> like cheating. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Well, the, the the orderlies are coming to take you away. You what is this? It probably test. means that I have like an IQ of 10 that I just, what's, what do you think of when you say glossy? And I say glossy. I'm so sorry. But the pink is really what comes to mind because I do think the whole brand was the start of the the girl boss era, the the millennial pink of it all, mm-hmm. the wing, the so many things that happened in like the mid 2010s. And mm-hmm. I equate a lot of them with this brand and the people that are around it, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like part of... The problem is that we are so visual right now that just things mm. that feel kind of cool just get so bored to our eyes and we're just inundated with things on TikTok and Instagram and wheat pasted posters in my neighborhood that like an aesthetic of something like glossy that feels right at one moment starts to be so overused and saturated that it's so fast that it starts to feel dated. Like I was in, I don't know, a few weeks ago in Sephora and every line looks like Glossier and they all look the same. And it's not untrue, but it's also like, it would have taken a really long time for that to happen even 10 years ago, let alone when I was in college or high school. The speed in which it influenced other brands and just sort of culture was phenomenal. It's, you know, it's just in like design and clothes and plants and it's insane. But another thing I want to ask you is when I was reading your book and I look at all the conversation and the press around your book right now, I think of the Mean Girls meme. There's so many, but the one in particular, it's Regina George saying to Katie, why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Why are so many people still obsessed (laughs) <laughs> with Emily Weiss. She has moved so far on. She's had a great So run. I'm Katie and Emily is Regina George in this scenario. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure. making you Katie. <laughs> in my no, mind. I don't mind. I All I ever want to be is Lindsay Lohan. So I'm I fine mean, with that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not a bad, not a bad comparison. I mean, sort of the culture. I'm putting my, listen, I, I was like, oh my God, Fat Mascara Book Club tonight. You know, like so excited to talk about this. So I'm putting myself in that too. Yeah, for sure. I think, I imagine if Emily is paying attention to this rollout and it would be hard to ignore. She probably, I mean, I still watch her Instagram stories. She probably is like, why is this woman so obsessed with me to a certain extent? And those are the moments when I feel like, am I a creep? And then I have to remind myself that I am a writer and I'm trying to write this story that's about feminism and business and industry that's huge that no one except for kind of insiders really even understood how powerful it was for years. And also that she like got almost $300 million of funding, which is not something that just happens to you by accident. Yeah. And also the book is a literal bestseller. Like people want to have that. We're not the only ones obsessed. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And also like we don't have stories about current companies unless it's something like bad blood and it's about an actual criminal or it's some kind of self-helpy book about women in business. And it's like Mm -hmm. these stories should be told and there should be more of them. Meaning women in business. There should be more books. Yeah, women in business and and also 
businesses like beauty that aren't sort of taken seriously on a kind of business side. There were actual questions in designing the book cover of like, okay, if we have a pink cover that looks great and speaks to fans, are we just giving up on whether men will read the book? Oh. And Walter Isaacson had to have that conversation with like a big picture of Elon Musk's face. Or the Apple book looks like an Apple store. Yeah. And it's neutral. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no roadmap for young women who want to be powerful in beauty or fashion. Mm -hmm. I think so often it's like this kind of fairy story or they become an influencer or they become someone plucks them from obscurity. Like she really did build something. She had a very clear vision and she built a killer business. And obviously there were a ton of articles on her. It's not that she was like under, you know, like reported on. But I think people are looking to learn about how she did it. And I think your book did at least like go under the hood and talk about the actual business of it in a different way. So that's why I appreciated it. I mean, I think for someone, I think that the kernel of all this started probably similar to you in that I had been working in media and understood the way that beauty was so powerful, just even in advertising and women's media. And also Dior is making its money off of mascara and not couture dresses or even saddlebags. Mm-hmm. But that is not something that's widely understood. And I became so obsessed with as beauty was becoming this kind of cultural force of YouTube influencers doing makeup and the Kardashians and Jenners starting their lines and all of that. And people were talking about beauty. They still weren't really understanding the full kind of economic power of beauty. And I think things really... I really like crossed over into being like, I have to write a book when I was reading like a Forbes list of the 10 richest self-made women or something. And like six of them over half, it was because of, or at least partly because of beauty. Mm -hmm. Rihanna made her billions because of Fenty, not because of not putting an album out for like the past seven years or however long it's been. Yeah. it's, it's, It's something that people discount a lot. Well, it's good to be in a space like here where people probably actually don't discount it. We're in like a circle. We're in a safe space and a circle of trust where I don't actually have to convince people of that. So when I think about the time that Glossier came about, people touched about it in the comments where maybe the times have changed. You know, it it was in a different lens. But when Glossier came about, it was definitely like the 2010s, right? For me, when I think of Glossier, peak Glossier to me is 2016. Boy Brow. Boy Brow, Hillary for president. Isn't that when Emily was on our podcast? That might have been 2016. I think it was 2017, but doesn't matter. But around that, around that time, okay, that's mm-hmm. when I think about Pete Glossier. That was also very much like the time of the girl boss. Why does that term feel so cringy to so many people right now? I think it felt cringy at the time, to be honest. I don't know that anyone was really saying, I'm you a girl boss and proud of it. We use that on oh, like God. every cover during 2016. I was, I was working at Mary Claire at the time. It was like, badass and girl boss. My editor-in-chief did not think it was cringy. <laughs> but I know what you mean. But I thought it was definitely, or a little like tongue-in-cheek, because I was very aware that there was there was no boy boss. I was always like the only person that's really 
really benefiting from this is Sofia Amoroso, who wrote the Girl Boss book mm-hmm. and is like taking it all the way to the bank. But yeah, so there was this cohort of women and they were all founding companies that kind of combined feminism and products for women and maybe a little bit of tech. And they were all pretty beautiful and young and kind of socially, kind of all were a little bit connected to each other and sort of socially important people, I guess I would say. And they also had publicists that they paid to try to get them into publications. Mm -hmm. And Girl Boss became an easy sort of, I don't know, like slang or like name for that cohort of women. And whether or not they wanted to be called that or not, it was also a way to kind of be taken seriously on a certain level because it was about business. It wasn't really about their personal lives so much. And Mm -hmm. it helped them probably until it stopped helping them. And then one by one, like so many things, they faced sort of cancellations or stepping down from things ranging to like real bad behavior, like Sofia Omarosa's company settling over false, I don't know, firing people and, and to things that were more leaked messages from Away's Slack that revealed kind of a less than ideal working environment. The thinks controversy, the wing. I mean, that's to see how far the wing fell. Anyone here is listening and knows about the wing. That was like the place to work. I mean, I'm saying knows about it. It's like a huge story to the be yeah. the place to be a member of. And then it was like the fact that the wing is like such a relic now is so crazy. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, well, let's, were you guys members? I was not I was a member. Not. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, or Ty Haney, who's still very much, yeah. In the news. Outdoor voices, yeah. Now I think about girl bosses in terms of like the negative space. Mm -hmm. So it's like we focus so much on this group of women and what weren't we looking at in terms of them, but also we weren't looking at women that didn't live in New York and LA, essentially. We weren't looking at women who weren't in kind of like sexy consumer facing companies, like someone who founded like a B2B tech company or whatever. We weren't looking at women who didn't hire probably stylists and definitely like public relations people to get them on the cover of time and fortune Mm -hmm. and whatever. We weren't looking at women that couldn't fit into designer clothes or like had no interest in that or who didn't want to go to charity dinners or be photographed in front of Balthazar or whatever. And so I think that to me is an important thing to think about that even though there was at the time people going, oh, these are all a bunch of white ladies or whatever. I don't think we were fully thinking about what a slim slice of entrepreneurship it it was. But it was also kind of one of the first times that women founders were like a business pop culture thing. The way that like Richard Gere's like corporate raider kind of character in Pretty Woman was like an archetype and Wall Street bros were an archetype. Yeah, like I know who Lee Iacocca is. Why do I even know that? Yeah, like tech founders were an archetype and now we have crypto bros and stuff like that. We didn't have a lot of chance for like women other than the sort of Diane Keaton, like baby boom, working woman kind of person. But even then that was so vague. So we had these. Wait, was that a she's having a baby reference? No, baby boom. Baby boom. Oh, baby boom. That's right. 
baby. I was thinking of a like sort of a cross between working girl and baby. I boom. have a baby boom fantasy like once a week where I oh, just go yes. to, to Vermont. So the one making and, applesauce in Vermont. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> yeah. love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Every time pumpkin spice comes up, I picture that movie. I literally think that movie got to no, me in New York. Most, I was like, it's like I the want. most fall movie ever. So in fact, good. we all we should probably do a group watch along for. Oh my god! Now that uh, would yeah. be the fat mascara film club that we need I to know. start. But you mentioned okay, girl boss, like you know the idea, the kind of little uh, hashtag girl boss, really insulating Emily. Yeah, I mean women like Emily from having to talk about their private life and sort of being taken more seriously as I'm a boss, I'm a business person, like this isn't like influencer cutie pie stuff. She was very guarded in all your interviews. You did, you, you got to make a frittata with her. It sounds like it took 40,000 emails <laughs> to, to set that up. And then ultimately yeah. a lot of the stuff she told you was off the record, right? What, what was going on about that? I think she's very good at run. I I think this is a sports term, so I'll always get it wrong, but like running down the clock or something like that. She would say yes to an interview and then you'd get there and two minutes in, she'd be like, I just want to talk off the record and like next time. And it's like, I flew to LA for this. My best friend is getting married in two hours and I like... I'm coming all the way here to do this and you're what, like, you know, and I think that was part of a larger issue of me taking this project and the book very seriously and her kind of being like, I was surprised. I didn't think this would happen. Did she, do you think she didn't think that this was like a real thing? Was she super strategic? And she was like, oh, I'll just give her the runaround. Probably both. If I'm being honest, I think that When I first started talking about the book, it was in a slightly different form where it was going to be more broadly about beauty. So I think she was probably like, sure, fine, I'll give you an interview. It was also in the middle of the pandemic. And so I imagine that she and the company had a ton of stuff that they were dealing with that was like higher on their minds. So I had been someone that had been reporting on them for years. So they probably were like, of course, we're going to give this woman an interview. And then I thought I was being pretty clear, keeping them in the loop, being like, okay, well, the book is very much about Glossier now. And they kept saying yes to interviews. But then I think all of a sudden when the book cover was announced and there was an article about on business fashion, it was sort of like, you're doing what? I'm in what? And then to me, Mm. a lot of that playing out the clock sort of stuff was, I think, more strategic. This is for questions in the chat. Do you think maybe she's going to be working on her own book? Do you see that happening from her? Maybe eventually. I don't think that that's her next chapter. Again, like this is not based on any kind of insider knowledge based on, you know, but... I think she will do something in the parenting space. I feel like that's... Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear this? Oh, we can hear Bulldog the just, whole time. <laughs> just, yeah, can you hear this animal? He gave, he gave a thumbs up to the parenting yeah. space. He was like, that's yeah. it. You guys are right. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm going to get her another snack because this woman is terrible. Um, <laughs> this woman, by the way, meaning not Emily, but rather Joan, my angry bulldog. Her name's Joan, your dog? Her name is Joan, yeah. Love her. Okay, let's get Joan a snack. I love her too, but she's... I I still... Yeah, I love her, but she sometimes takes crazy moments to suddenly be extremely high-maintenance and want my attention. And or give us the insider scoop. 
she agrees. She's going to move into the parenting space. <laughs> Animals are very intuitive. <laughs> they are very intuitive. Joan does not like the idea of anyone moving into the parenting space. Joan wants to be the baby. But yes, I do think that Emily will move into the parenting space. That would be my guess. Yeah, the way you said that was uh, sounded like a psychic. It was like, I do think that <laughs> Emily will. I'm seeing. Like, I'm I get yeah, the Ouija board out yeah, and it says yeah. like, M, uh, O, M. And then I just look and it, there's like thunder and lightning. Joan barks. She has showed us a lot of her body in her birthing pool on Instagram, so I don't think this is out of left field to have this idea. This no, is no, yeah, I don't. Person. I don't think that's. I think that's an interest, and I. I don't think. I don't see her doing kind of a Bobby Brown and doing like another beauty company. Yeah, and I, I could see her maybe doing a book way late in her career. As an interviewer, I love that you mentioned Janet Malcolm in your book, and you talked about, you know, you have to interview somebody. You have to be objective, but you're still a subjective, heartfelt person. Let's talk about the tears. I feel like she cried a lot. You literally started the book, Emily Weiss was crying. And then it came up a bunch. And then third-party sources, people were talking about meetings where she was crying. Do you think that was a manipulative tactic, or am I reading into it? I think it is. It's hard for me because I... I'm not a person that cries easily. So if I cry, I'm truly overwhelmed or bereft or something. I I cry like a handful of times a year at the most. And so for me, when I'm around someone that cries easily, it's pretty disturbing or, or at least like rough because I just assume that that must mean that they too are having just as an emotional of an experience as I would be having if I were crying. But then I have to remember that people who cry all the time, I don't know, like I laugh all the time or whatever, or I drink wine several days a week, like it's a special occasion. People that cry all the time, it's not a necessarily the same like huge issue. Right. And also she acted in high school. She has a little bit of a flair for that kind of thing. And so I just think that she's probably a person whose emotions are closer to the chest than maybe me or some other people that don't cry as easily. Mm -hmm. But also I think she knows how to wield it. Like if you are interviewing someone and you're the CEO of the company and they're interviewing for like a middle management job or whatever, And in the middle of their interview, you, the CEO, starts crying, talking about how important the business is, you might get them for less money or like you might get them for, you know what I mean? Like there are definite advantages to... Plug it, plug in your computer, Marissa. I feel like your battery is low. It's plugged in. No, it's plugged in. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I'm just trying to keep my dog from barking at you guys again. But yeah, so I think that crying can... Be emotion, but it also can be something to make people's defenses go down. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, 
They have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Hyacera is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
I mean, I got that sense reading it, and you even had a couple sentences where I was like, oh, Marissa's with me. Like, she's pull- she's pulling one over on us. This is one of her tactics that has worked for her before. So I was curious I agree. about that. I mean, I, I think that she probably also is someone that just, she gets, some people have a nervous laugh, other people cry really easily. Like, it yeah. probably is something that comes easily to her, but... One of our listeners, Alana, had a question she sent me ahead of time. She was saying, what's the most surprising yet insightful tidbit you came across while reporting? I don't think she's asking for, like, dirt. It's more just, like, what didn't make it in the book that you wish could have made it in the book? Oh, that's hard. There were some things that didn't make it past the legal read. Let's just say that. So I wish I could say. I'm trying to think of some things that were surprising I really loved hearing from the younger employees, in particular the retail employees, because they had such a different experience. Like the ones that went to Camp Glossier were like, oh, it was kind of embarrassing. She tried to talk to us. It was a little like... Gen Z versus millennials. Yes. I, I got embarrassed, secondhand embarrassment reading that scene. Like, I think I would be that lady at camp that like was going around and. (laughs) No, me too. It's, I too would like, I mean, her doing like like, all kids, seven cool. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Or like doing all seven minutes or whatever of Bohemian Rhapsody at like karaoke. Excellent tidbit. Like that's. Made it in the book, but excellent tidbit. Oh yes. That's a choice. Okay, can I tell you something? I really, I didn't mind that she did that. Sorry. Like, I think that was fine. (laughs) Again, like, none of this is... I just, I don't know. Like, I thought that was like she was was trying to bond with her team. They set up this nice thing. I agree. I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not a karaoke person. So I think if you choose a song that's longer than like three or four minutes... Maybe she had a glass of wine. Maybe... No, we've, look, we've been there. I don't know. I'm just like, when it comes to like overly being overly enthusiastic about something you love, I'm kind of here for it. Which is why it's surprising because she is a little bit the cool girl. But then once you see her taking in this position where more and more people are seeing her as the boss and they're younger. And so she's doing the kinds of things that people cringe about of your bosses. Yeah, I don't think it's a gender thing either. I think when you become a leader, you have to have that separation. I don't think but I thought, I don't know, like, I remember being at things where my boss would do something that was human and I would like them more. I'm not like, oh, I need to see Susan. Was it a boss? It was a boss really you liked already. And this made them even more I don't more know, like Jess, her. are you the kind of person that got excited if you saw one of your teachers from, like, growing up at, like, <laughs> the, at, like the supermarket? Whereas I was always the person that was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I got to run. Like, no, I thought it was kind of, like, cool seeing them outside. <laughs> oh, God, cool. see, no, I was like, don't talk to me. I can't handle this different. It's hard for me sometimes to see people to this day outside people of, like. People have different dimensions. I don't know. I, I thought that, I thought those anecdotes were anecdotes were kind of mean yeah but I think that that also I mean I agree but I think that also shows what it's like to be seen more as a boss than one of everyone else and a growing company where not everyone kind of knows you the same way yeah and also a woman trying to be friendly and your whole company is in one place for like one time in one year and you're trying to be friendly and say hey and and the way people can just be assholes and catty no matter yeah. what you do or what Shocking. You, you know, you can't win. It's like, I mean, I feel like this is like the most cliche thing to say and it's so 
It's like the Barbie movie monologue. It's like she's trying to be a boss, but she has to be nice, but not too nice. It's like, yeah, it's like you have to be a boss, but you also have to be a girl boss, but you can't be a boss bitch because you can't, that's too bitchy. And like, but like she has to be like with the people, she can't be too icy, but she has to be like, it's just like you cannot win. I think you did a great job of using those anecdotes to paint that challenging rise because you had to build up, show how the company built up and ultimately was at these business challenges of plateauing and how that felt for her who started the company. And I kind of want to talk about this plateau of Glossier a little bit because, you know, this is the basis of the book. Where is the company now? I know in late 2022, you asked a rep, oh, what what are sales figures like? I love the answer they gave you. We're driving 20 to 40% growth. I was like, what? That's like Vegas. Obviously, they're not going to give you those numbers. But like, have you heard anything since? Is the company plateauing? I mean, what I've heard from hardcore finance people that have reported on retail is like, if a company is not giving you figures, it always means that they are losing money. Yes. I have to think that must be true. There were some other details they gave you, like, we're spending less on marketing, like giving you everything but the answer you asked for. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm sure like you, I've been to the stores. There's always a ton of people. I've been to their Sephora gondolas many times, and they always Mm -hmm. are like ransacked. And I've had a conversation about this with many people that are interested parties. And I really can't tell if for Sephora, for instance, if they just didn't anticipate its popularity or if they on purpose under order to have it sort of a manufactured desire Mm. or what you hear about companies doing that all the time. I worked at Sephora, not at Sephora. It's literally the nightmare when the stock runs low. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And I don't know that even on like a Sephora earnings call or something, for example, that we would get that. I don't even know if Sephora has an earnings Yeah, I don't know that we would even get that kind of information unless Glossier was like such a driver of sales for them. But I think that they are trying to put the company in as good of a light and in front of enough people and to shine it all up to be acquired for as much money as they can get it, knowing that they know IPO. There aren't, it's a bad time to IPO. Find me like a beauty company that's had a good IPO. I think acquisition is better, but mm-hmm. it's not like the drunk elephant, Charlotte Tilbury, you know, Jeez. moments of like before the pandemic. So they have so much funding that it's not like their VCs are going to be like, yeah, no problem. Just grow at your own rate for a while. Course, See how it goes. But was it ultimately 300 300- uh, I think it's like 260 million. I want to say with like four like rounds of funding. Yeah, they finish off in a Series E. Is oh, the okay? Most I don't know what the n- number in the alphabet that is, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, um, five. Yeah, it's funny you bring I had up to Sephora. Just count it on my hand. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you bring up Sephora because a lot of people wrote us. I think I even just saw it in the chat here that like that was a sign to them. Whereas other brands will see that as a sign of success. For Glossier, it was a sign of plateau. Now you're basic. Yeah, I mean, I, mostly I just think it was really, really, really late to happen. I mean, the thing is, is that, and I think that now with a little bit of hindsight, we can see how kind of crazy D to C beauty is because I don't really care about a lot of things, but it's really hard for me to order 
skincare, let alone color cosmetics without trying it, even if you have the easiest return rate yeah, or return policy. And so that's pretty hard. And then there's just so few people, relatively speaking, who can make it to New York or LA or London, or then one of the little pop-ups that they Mm -hmm. do to actually try stuff out. So especially because a lot of their fan base is going to be on like college campuses or small towns, they're going to be teenagers, they don't have a lot of money, they might not have cars. So it's like you need somewhere like Sephora. Maybe you even would have done well in like a Target or something where people can really, Mm -hmm. yeah, where people can really touch it and experience it themselves. I mean, I think there is something very cool about it being D2C and being able to really, those stores are beautiful and amazing and totally unique and make you feel the brand in a, in an immersive way. And if you do go to Sephora, it is a little weird, right? Like, I don't know if you've gone, but it's just, oh, here's this Glossier gondola and it's next to like Ilia or whatever. And it's not even in the window or it's like five rows down and it just feels very, I don't know. It's like, oh, these are just products. But I think a lot of us, a lot of us maybe in the chat, you know, we're here for anyone who's listening to the Fat Mascara is a super beauty enthusiast. Like, you know, I think Glossier still feels really exciting for a lot of people. It still feels like an exciting brand. They don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of Emily Weiss and acquisition and all. Like, they don't care. No, the London store, I saw it all over TikTok. People were, like, excited about the bubble bags again. I was like, oh, yeah, remember the bubble bags? It's, I feel like the first three years of Glossier are still very inside baseball. Like, we're running on a different timeline. Yeah, for sure. The example that I give in my book, I think is one that you guys can relate to, which is I discovered Mac when I was in high school or college. It was over a decade after they were founded. They had already been sold. Like I had no idea about their roots, their founding. I knew very little of their activism. I just knew that I was in Nordstrom and it totally spoke to me. Mm -hmm. And I was getting into kind of makeup for the first time in my life. And this brand felt totally part of like the identity that I wanted. And it felt different from what my mom was wearing. And I think Glossier still has like a lot of that potential where you're just at a Sephora or whatever, and you're 15 years old and you're like, Ooh. Yeah. If you're, if you're having your like makeup awakening and this whole Glossier discourse was not even like on your radar because you were 12 you know, or 11. This is like, you just woke up. So you're just walking into Sephora and to your point, you're just seeing all this stuff for the first time. Yeah. I mean, people have told me, and I've known many people that are like, oh, I got to get my niece who's 14 a present. And it's like, oh, cool. I'm going to get her like a little Glossier set. And that's, Mm. I still think there's a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. Oh, my daughter needs like a cleanser and she doesn't, I don't want her to use my like Barbara Sturm cleanser or whatever. I'm going to get her this like cute one for herself. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So that's an easy one. So yeah, I think that there is a rebooting of Glossier kind of, and like an actual discovery of it, but whether or not that's actually going to work and have this hordes of new fans. What did she tell us? She wanted, she wanted to be like the Nike of, she said Nike. I think Nike of the world when she came on our podcast years ago. So we're definitely not at that point. 
So she had her Yeah, I mean, well, now that they have a new CEO, Kyle Leahy, who is very like, oh, no, no, we know who we are now. We're we're just a beauty company. Like, we're no longer trying to be a tech company as well or like... If they got out of their own way and do beauty and do it well, you're going to have success. Yeah. And so I think that that... I think time... I mean, it's a boring answer, but like time will tell. For one, we don't have any figures, but also I think it's going to take a couple of years to see if this idea of the world more easily trying out Glossier products and Glossier is in Sephora and it's landing in Sephora in Europe very soon. And, mm-hmm. you know, these are all, it's going to be in like Italy for the first time via Sephora. Like these are all markets that have never tried it before. I know That's that I've huge. gotten so many requests to be interviewed or to read the book from people in Australia who have never had, I think they're just a particularly skincare and makeup obsessed country, but there's no Glossier in Australia unless you're like bringing it in your suitcase home. So I want to ask you a question from one of our listeners, Julissa, who wrote in before. She wanted to know, what is a personal life lesson that you've learned since reading the book? Writing the book, yeah. Since (laughs) since writing the book. Like writing about Emily's journey. Like, what did you take away personally? Yeah. Honestly, it's made me think a lot about the real price of money. She took VC money and there is a way of taking it and being like, wow, why not take all this money that's being offered to me? And it's very exciting, easy to get caught up with, but we've talked about it comes with such a high price of like, you don't have control. You have incredibly high expectations for what comes with that money. And I had a like a kind of a similar thing when I was reporting the book, if there was an opportunity to maybe buy an apartment, but it was coming with all of these strange financial sort of things that I wasn't comfortable with and felt overcommitted and ended up not taking it. And I think at least part of it was like somewhat influenced by like me thinking about strings attached and how even if something is something you could technically do, like maybe you shouldn't always take it. Like maybe you should think about what your life might have to be like in order to afford that apartment that you could technically then buy or or that company that could technically become 300 person company or whatever. Like, is that really... Just because you can, does that mean yeah. you should? Yeah, like, or is it like, is that not even so much what you want, but is like, is that going to put you in the best place for success, which is not to say that ambition or wanting big things is bad, but just to like take a beat. And it really, yeah, it just really made me think about the hidden costs of things that we do. And that's why I buy nothing. And no, I like definitely am terrible with money and buy things and all of that. It's not to say that I change my life or relationship to everything, but it did make me think, because I do think the trajectory of Glossier would be very different if they had taken less money or done other kinds of funding or bootstrapped. I was talking to a founder today from another company and she was just saying how much VC funding in the past like five, 10 years has really just, I'll say killed a lot of brands, but yeah, kind of just changed the beauty industry a lot and kind of crushed a lot of dreams as well. Well, well, sort of raising them, crushing them. Yeah. Well, exactly. Cause it's like beauty becomes this partly because of Glossier and like celebrity brands, beauty becomes this highly exciting, active market. And then the kinds of 
returns they want and the turnaround is so yeah, it's, 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 not realistic. it's almost impossible. Yeah. I mean, my friend Claire and I used to have a joke of like, oh, what are the VCs taking away from us today? There was this app that should never exist that you could just like, they'd come and pick up your stuff and custom box it and ship it for you for like almost no money. It didn't last long. And it was like, yeah, of course the VCs were like, actually <laughs> that's untenable. And it, but yeah, it's like they get to decide. You also wrote about Gene Neidich, the founder of Weight Watchers. I love that book. This is big. You've written about Emily. Who else do you want to write about? My next book is about Jane Birkin. So that'll be a little more fashion, but kind of in the way that girl bosses are like the kind of background and kind of cultural moment in glossy, I think the creation of like the French girl myth and our obsession with that is kind of the background of the story of Jane Birkin. I love to like talk about a moment in time, whether it's like New York in the 60s for Weight Watchers or like mm -hmm. the 2010s for Glossy. And I think Paris in the 70s is going to be very fun. But yeah, I, as someone who's a total Francophile and also has a very weird relationship with the idea of French girl stuff and how kind of Oh, this is going to be great. That person is. I, I'm very excited. When to you, kind of when you say weird, it. you mean you don't buy it, the myth of the French girl beauty. I mean, I do and I don't. I think that it's the idea of the French girl is like we're talking about like five people or something like that. You know, it's like there's uh, they're white people. They're rich. Like how many people? They're Jane Birkin. Like, <laughs> it's like very yeah. fetishy. Very have like yeah. passed on. Yeah, like, but how many beauty brands have we seen literally trying to like make sales based on this. Exactly. Which is why I think it's really interesting. And also if you go to Paris, like anywhere else, it's like, oh, this is a city, not just of straight haired wayfish white people, huh. but like there are black people and brown people and Muslim people and tons of Vietnamese. And it's like, oh, right. Our idea of this society and country is based on such a sort of a weird construction that is no one, basically. I mean, even Jane Birkin is English. Like, she's not even French. Oh, my God, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait. That sounds exciting. <laughs> Thank you. I want to um, ask, like, one or two questions from the chat before we wrap. People have been trying to call in, which I didn't even know was a function on this studio. <laughs> Did you? I'm, the, I, I'm producing it as well. So I was like, oh, God, no, don't pick up the phone. So I have been trying... <laughs> Sorry, everybody, I hung up on. You're live on Fat Mascara. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think I could turn off that function. I wasn't ready to go there yet with our live podcast. This is an Maybe experiment. Next time. So if you got because hung up on, I'm sorry. People could say, like, longtime <laughs> listener, first time caller. I know. You could do that on our hotline, 646-481-8182. My chat is being a little funky. Um, so, Jen. Yeah, no, same. Mine's like, this chat, I will tell you, it's like each person's own chat. It's not time order for me. Yeah. Like, it's very It's weird. not an order, so I can't tell. I'm going like, to use a different is... platform next time we do this. I, I, yeah, I did see, hopefully everyone in the chat is not having the same funky experience that I'm having. If you are, I deeply apologize. But 
It's our first ever Fat Mascara Book Club, so you're on the ride, folks. I did see some great lessons learned, though, from when I was trying to like flip through this before it like bounces back. Somebody wrote what kind of boss they want to be and what kind of boss they don't want to be. Somebody wrote something about... Was that a question or they're just... The, oh, the, no, the question. Oh, sorry. I'm, it's like Jeopardy. I wrote what lessons <laughs> did you learn from reading the book as opposed to Marissa writing the book. And they said, like, what kind of boss I want to be or don't want to be. Somebody was inspired by Emily's boldness and just, like, Me going too. for Her ability to ask for things. Doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was so ballsy. But when people ask me, I always, like, want to help someone out. Yeah, I thought that was great. She wasn't a jerk about it. It didn't seem like she ever asked for anything, too, that was, like... No, and they were specific, which makes it easier for the giver. Yeah. Like, can you do this for me? Not like, help me mm-hmm. become famous. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you guys get things where people are like, I would like to know how to write a book. And it's like, okay. Exactly. She had a, it's a good lesson though. Ask for something specific. Yeah. Ask for an introduction to someone or like something that someone can do that's easy. And that's also, people ask me for things all the time that I I don't have the authority for this. Like, I can't assign a story. Like, I could be your biggest fan, but I still don't have the power to, like, get you a a New York Times story. Do your research. Yeah, I got that lesson People ask for, like, crazy things, but they do it, I think, also often out of, like, ignorance or, like, naivety, not ignorance. Yeah. No, she did did it with a bit of a note. Yeah, with a little bit precocious. Yeah, Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. She, I also think she must have done research because she understood what she could ask people and... Mm -hmm what they could help her with, which, yeah. yeah, I think that's a huge, I think there's so much to be learned in that kind of assertive behavior. While we try and poke through the questions, Je- Jess had a great question for you. She wanted, can I ask Jess what? Oh yeah, go for it. Who do you think would play Emily Weiss in the glossy movie? Okay. Well, I've been in the same room interviewing Zendaya and I have to say they have kind of similar energies. IRL. And I think Zendaya has that kind of, she's cool, but also composed. Low-key force. Yeah. I think the problem is Mm -hmm. that so many of the issues that someone should talk about in a, like a glossy movie do involve race. And so colorblind Mm -hmm. casting would be kind of complicated. Or awesome. Let's make it not a straight biopic. Let's do a little, like, <laughs> something with That's it. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'll option your book, Marissa. I got this. <laughs> please, please do. I don't know. Who did you guys think of? Well, someone wrote Emma Watson, and I like that. Oh, yeah. Because she has that kind of girl boss, overachiever, she went to Brown yeah. kind of energy. That's a good one. There's somebody else in my mind, and I like... I, I just think of Anne Hathaway playing the wife of the WeWork guy. Yeah. I interviewed her... Oh, I've got one. Okay, Mia Goth. Oh, wow. They kind of look alike. Yeah. Okay, we're going on looks, yeah. No, but like just picture. But also Mia Goth is an amazing actress. There's nothing she can't do. Can't you picture her just like completely just being... I could see that, actually. I could totally see that. Also, they do really kind of look like each other. Yeah. I would love to see some of our big stars... Like, I want to see Emma Stone do one of these kinds of characters, like a person in real life kind of thing. Jennifer Lawrence was going to do, you know, Bad Blood. Kaya Gerber? (laughs) Somebody wrote Kaya Gerber. I saw Bottoms. (laughs) 
I need her yeah, to work on her acting a little bit before, yeah. before we cast her. No offense. She's Kaya Gerber can be like a, someone who's like doing a top shelf or something. She'll in, do like store manager number scene. three. Yeah. yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. No, it'll be like a, a stunt casting. She can, she can play like Coco Bodell or one of their like key early models. Yeah. We have a slightly easier question then. Yeah. Okay. Well, Pat, we've got a couple answers here, but what about you, Marissa? Yeah. In the movie of your life, who would you want to play you? Miss Piggy. <laughs> God, it's fabulous. But I don't know if I'm going to let that to be the answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I can see her wig already. It's great. That's the thing. I feel like we're very similar in temperament, Miss Piggy and I. And like, I always kind of identified with her as like a fellow curly haired blonde. Uh huh. And, and who's fabulous. Great yeah. clothes. Who doesn't Thank have time you. for fools. Big personalities. No, yeah. No time for fools. <laughs> Miss Piggy was so great. Wasn't she great? She's the best. Do you have her like self help beauty book? No. Should we okay, get well, it? Okay, we need to order. Yeah, okay. you can get it used. Who like, ghost wrote not, that? I, honestly, great question. I bought mine on eBay for like not very much. It's fabulous. It was published in like the 80s. The 80s? Okay, I got to get course. into this. I was about to say like, I feel like I used, like Miss Piggy used to be such a big part of my life, like when I was younger. And then I was like, she went away. I think they did a lot more with her back then, right? Yeah, although she has a very active Instagram page. All right, I'll check it out. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. reminding me of... What I lost. Does Joan falling asleep? I feel like I hear Joan snoring. I heard that too. We should wrap well, it up. Joan is, <laughs> yeah, Joan is kind of always snoring. The other thing oh, is Jonah, like Joan. Sorry. No, just no, Joan. Joan. No, Joan. Joan. Like Joan, Joan Collins or whatever. Is, yeah, like having Joan is sort of like having Miss Piggy. We're sort of both Miss Piggy, but it's also like having Miss Piggy as your pet. Oh, wow. <laughs> no wonder you guys are tight. Okay, we're going to wrap it up with the Fat Mascara 5. Okay. Everyone can play along in the comments if they choose. Ready? Okay. Yep. Quick and dirty. Lightning around. First beauty product you fell in love with. Clinique City Block. Oh. <laughs> you, no wonder your skin looks so good. I know. My mom is an esthetician. Oh, okay. Explains it. Okay. Where do you write? Tell us about your, your writing desk. I actually don't have a desk, but I have all kinds of perches that I write. I almost always write at home. I don't like to write at cafes and I write at a kitchen table, a counter, a sofa, a chair, just depending. Like I kind of rotate around during oh, the day. precious about it. If you're at the okay. counter, are you standing? Like you're standing, you're writing your book no, at the counter? I'm, no, I'm at like a stool. Okay. Drinking coffee. I just want to say that one of the people in the chat has the most amazing, like, screen name, Milky Jelly Skeptical. <laughs> the honey. chat is so yeah. messed up, by the way, but I did catch Mine froze that. froze literally three hours ago, I think. Well, we've only been doing this an hour, but... Again, once more, apologies for the chat. We will improve next time, but I want to thank... The studio is going to make for great sound on the podcast that will be out in two weeks, so when, you know, everybody yeah. else who can listen to it will have a beautiful sound, even if they didn't get to see you the can, They can put chat. it all in the Instagram post in the chat there then, you go. or whatever. Yeah. There we you are. Go. Yeah. Next time it'll be better, but thank you, Jen and Red, for working it yes. out. Okay. Wait, we still have three more questions. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. What's your favorite indulgent snack? Indulgent. If I'm anywhere near a farmer's market, I've gone out of, like, taken taxis in foreign countries to go to a farmer's market to buy kettle corn. Kettle corn. 
Okay. I love like a farmer's market kettle corn. It has like a very specific thing. And I also, this is not indulgent because I probably drink it every day, but there's a very specific time, especially when I travel, where I feel like I'm going to die if I don't have a Coke Zero or a Diet Coke like on ice with a straw. This is why we're friends with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just one time? You just have one it's time. It's been like okay. a daily occurrence here at Fat Mascara, but okay. No, it's it's daily, but it's like it, <laughs> it gets very desperate. Like the harder it is for me to get to the Coke Zero, the, the more desperately I feel like I'm going to perish if I don't have it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand. I get it. Okay. What's your favorite nonfiction book or just one that you've read lately that you've loved? Nonfiction book. I am starting Elvis and Me, the Priscilla Presley book. I don't think I'm going to finish it before I see the Priscilla movie, but I love any kind of juicy celebrity memoir. I love to listen to them on audiobook, like read by the person. Cool. And then finally, give us a fiction book that you love. We want to hear a good story. We want something, something to read for the, for the cooler weather. I mean, my favorite book, especially for fall, is like The Secret History is like an all-time favorite, Donna Tartt's classic, and about like college students. I love any kind of like- Aren't you teaching a class on this? Yeah, I am, because it's like my favorite book. Yeah, for McNally. That's so cool. And that is any kind of like campus set novel I love. I also absolutely love all of- Tana French, who is an Irish novelist, has this kind of series of very smart literary detective-ish novels. And they're so good. Each of them is like, they come out like once every two years and it's like my ultimate exciting treat. Yeah. Like the PR person was like, please stop asking. Like we will get you a galley when (laughs) they're available. Like we, we've registered your interest. (laughs) <laughs> We've registered your interest. Yeah. I'm going to start saying that. Yeah. I've registered your interest. Yeah, so I, tried, I tried like the PR person, then I tried Noted. like another PR person just in case. I've registered and your they interest. Were, like, they That's were basically like, like, Jen, don't steal it. Yeah. That's they were basically like, we are on to you. Yeah. So they were like, we have registered your to interest. To all the callers that we're trying to call in, I, we've registered <laughs> your I've interest. Registered. That's very like 1940 mm-hmm. Britain. I yes. love it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would also be good for anyone doing online dating. I've registered, registered your interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you to our audience who was here. That was super fun. But more so, thank you to you, Marissa. This was such a delight. The book this is amazing. Great. If you haven't gotten it yet, Glossy, Ambition, Beauty, and the Inside Story of Emily Weiss's Glossier by Marissa Meltzer. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, it was my absolute pleasure. It was so much fun. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Listen. 
Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Hyacera Air is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo and it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.